Good morning. It's good to be in the house. It's good to be with family this morning. Amen. Oh, man. Turn, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're here, man. Amen. If it's your birthday today, I just want to shout out happy birthday in that general area over there. Anybody else over here? Happy birthday. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Amen. I saw a, a uh, I found this, you know, I'm always looking for quotes and I'm, I'm, I like to read quotes, and I found this prayer. So I just want to open with this prayer from A.W. A. Tozer, an old-timer. He prays this. He says, Oh God, I want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty more still. Show me thy glory. I pray so that I may know thee. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And then give me strength and grace to rise up and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I've wandered so long. Father, let that be our prayer today, God, that we would long to be more thirsty, that we would long to have more of you, that our desire would be to, to be surrounded by you, to be led by you, to be directed by you, to be strengthened by you and empowered by you and led by you. If that's your prayer, can we just say amen this morning? Amen. If you're just joining us, we are... Um, going through a series titled Before and After. And we've been looking at the before and afters of people in the Bible and the before and afters of people here in the church. Amen? Amen. And so that's been exciting. Um, before and after is not a, a series about your outside appearance. It's not so much about how you look. It's more about how you see. Come on, that was heavy. Heidi Baker says this, God is not looking for extraordinary, exceptionally gifted people, just laid down lovers of Jesus who will carry his glory with transparency and not take it for themselves. See, the beauty of learning to tell your story, of learning to share your story, your testimony, your message is to have the glory of God, is to make yourself translucent, transparent, so that God would get the glory. Amen? So I want to share a message titled today, Faith Works. Faith Works. We've also, in this series, we're going through the book of James. And we're going through the book of James chapter by chapter. I love taking a book and, and chopping it up and going through it because none of you can blame me about whatever comes up. Amen? A lot of you have done it before. But we go chapter by chapter. If it comes up, it's for you. Amen? So just take it and say, thank you, God, for your word. 
Because the only way that we're going to be able to, to see, to change the way we see things, is by understanding the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Psalm 119 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we've gone through the first chapter of James. If you missed it, the whole heart of James is right in the beginning. James 1, 2. It says, count it all joy when you meet trials and tribulations and struggles and temptations of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and we broke that down, steadfastness, endurance, perseverance, patience, maturity. Verse 4 says, let all of that have its full effect in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the theme and purpose of the book of James is stated right at the beginning. He's talking to believers, just so you know, he's talking to us. Constantly in the book of James, he says, brothers and sisters. He says, brethren. That means he's speaking to us. Amen? How many of you know you were a brethren? All right. Amen. Good. So he says, that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is God's will for your life, for our lives. That we would be mature and complete. That we would be well-developed. Strong, not deficient in any way. I love that that's what God wants for me. I love that he wants me to be able to remain under, trusting him with the outcome, knowing that he's working in me and through me. Amen? Amen. I hear people, I, heard, I even heard, I heard somebody this weekend, I almost broke my neck looking. They... When people go through things, right? And so I guess, you know, they were sharing with each other. This was at the job. You know, they were sharing with each other. And, they, you know, and, and, and they're going through things. And then, and then one person said to the other one, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And, and I almost broke my neck because I was like, who said that? Because these weren't people that served God. And I'm not judging, don't, you know, don't, don't mistake, I'm not judging. I'm pretty sure that if you ask these people, are you Christians? Do you follow God? Do you read the Bible? Do you go to church? They would tell you clearly, no, nah, I don't have time for that. But yet you're standing on... See, when things go sideways in life as they do at times, for everybody, Right? People like to take comfort in the Word of God. Have you heard it in your lives? Amen? Like the craziest people, right? Just drop a Christian cliche on you and you'll be like, For real, bro? And they, it's people, you know, usually because they have no understanding of the whole Word of God. They'll hold on to Christian cliches, right? Bumper sticker versions of God. The sad thing is, if you only know bumper sticker verses, you can only stand on bumper sticker promises. Come on. Some people are standing on promises that God never made to them. We're going to kind of look into something today, amen? I want you to, I'm going to change the way you see. Some people are standing. The truth is God will. Let me mess this up for all of you in case you always kind of relied on that one. God 
will and often does give you more than you can handle. I'm sorry. You can leave now if you want. (laughs) Say, this church is off. I don't care. That guy's crazy. God does and will give you more than you can handle. Why? Because he wants you to walk with him through it. If he didn't get to test your strength, then you would never know how weak you are. The better promise... This is what happens. We stand on little things when God has big things for us to stand on. We, we trust in little things when God has bigger things for us to stand on. The better promise is in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. 2 Corinthians 12. That means that when you're walking with me, you come across more than you can handle. I'll give you the strength to get through. I mean, you know, that's a better promise. So there is strength available to us, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ, I can do... We we read this differently in the world. We say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, no. It's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Little. It's it's how you see things. Amen? So we can draw close to him. He says, come close to me and God will come close to you, James 4. They're better promises. The truth is when things go sideways, we're not alone. Though your mother and father forsake you, I will never leave you. I will hold you close, Psalm 27. The truth is we're going to have problems. Amen? But everyone is. Do do you understand that? Can we stop making this a Christian thing? This gets me so twisted when this is one of my pet peeves. I'm sorry. I'm not angry though. I'm having a good day. Amen. If you're new, it's like, that's an angry Cuban man. I'm not. I'm just. um, This is not a Christian thing. We live in a sin sick world. Everybody's going to have problems. I'm tired of hearing Christians say, we had it hard because, you know, we serve God and the devil's always after us. And I hear that like here. And I say, we have it hard? Really? Look around. Take a picture. There's about 300 of us. We just worshipped loudly for about 30, 40 minutes. So loudly that people in the street heard us. And we did it with no fear that anybody was going to come kill us. Like we have it hard? Do we have it hard? Do you know that we can gather whenever we want to to pray? We don't take advantage of it. Uh oh. Do you know that 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 in 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 some countries today, in in China, in North Korea, in Cuba, in places like that, you can't have a quarter of this many people. You can't have more than five, ten people gathered. That's what causes the the body of Christ to spread in those countries because they have to keep breaking up into little churches in every little house. But we can't gather like this to pray or, or or, or you'll be pulled out of your home because you're not worshiping the leaders of the country. And see, we don't have it hard like that, amen? We get to worship. 
We get to, to gather for prayer. We, don't, we, don't, we might not be grateful for it. We might not see it as something. We, we might look at it as something we have to do. Oh, I have to go to church on Sunday. I have to go to prayer. I have to read my Bible once in a while. The persecutor will look at it and see it as something they get to do. I've read stories and stories. My wife's been talking about it. We, well, in, in North Korea, they'll distribute a page of scripture. Like whatever page it is. It's not like it was like the one page that says I can do all things. It could be like a, a, a page out of Leviticus. Just like a... Like, and they'll take it and they'll memorize the whole page and pass it along. So that they can hold on to whatever scripture they can. So that they can put it in their heart. So that they can be led by God through it. Amen? We have entire Bibles collecting dust because we'd rather watch Netflix... And Hulu and Amazon and Disney Plus and <laughs> can, can can we be honest, Amen? I'm tired of hearing Christians say we have it hard when they, <coughs> when you serve the enemy because he gets mad. And, and the the difference is, um, um, the the last time I looked, we live in such a sin sick world that everyone's affected. It rains on the godly and the ungodly, Amen. Sickness hits the godly and the ungodly. Poverty has no religious preference. Cancer, disease hits just as many Christians as it does unbelievers. Am I lying? The difference is when all hell breaks loose against us, here, when sickness and poverty and pain and death shout out, we have a hope and a future. We understand that in this world we will have trouble, but God so loved this world that he gave his son that those who would believe. Jesus came that although our sin and our failures will separate us from God, although our shortcomings and our unfaithfulness will keep us from God, although our passions and our desires cause us to fall short of being worthy before God, Jesus came that we might have life and have it eternally. And have it to the fullness. So the truth is God will give you more than you can handle. But he's also given us the grace to remain up under it. And to be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Amen. So yeah, things get difficult here. We will experience some hardship on this side. But James tells us some of these things are going to be external. God is putting our faith under pressure to perfect it. Some of these things will build character and perseverance. Some of these things are going to change us for the better. Some of these things are going to break us down in order that we might get built up again stronger. But we always have a choice. We can be bitter or we can get better. Amen? I want you to hear a story right now a before and after. Come on, Molly. Let's come up and give God glory in the middle of hardship. <clears throat> Three. Good morning, family. Um, I usually speak from the heart, but I gave God the pen. So this is his glory story after all. So here it goes. On Sunday, September 1st, 2019, I went to service, and at some point during service, Lee prophetically declared that God was going to use us in such a way and perform miracles on our behalf that we can't take credit for or explain it in any other way than it was God. 
Those words stirred in my spirit, and I wholeheartedly received it, asking God to use me in such a manner. That night I was driving home, and an animal crossed in front of my vehicle. I swerved to avoid hitting the animal, and I hit a tree totaling my car. I was pinned in the car and couldn't get out. A young man ran over to me and asked me if I was okay. I said yes. His girlfriend shouted to him, 911 was on their way. Everything was happening so fast. The fire department came and cut the driver's door out. The ambulance came and put me on the stretcher. The officer was trying to question me as I was being rolled away. Once I arrived at the ER, there were all these doctors working on me. They were doing x-rays and MRIs. So when I was rolled back to the ER, the police officer that was on the scene approached me and asked me if I was all right, if I had anything broken. I told him as far as I knew, I was fine. He then asked me if I was a religious woman, and I answered to him, I serve the Almighty God. I said to him, why do you ask? He said, someone up there really loves you because you shouldn't have walked away from that accident, especially looking the way you do. He looked me dead in my eyes, and as he was walking away, he said, someone up there is watching over you. The way he looked at me was so penetrating that I thought to myself, how bad was this accident? The next day, the doctors informed me I had fractured my left foot and dislocated a couple of bones. I needed surgery, and then I was admitted. During that week, my nieces did me the favor and went to the towing company to handle a few things on my behalf. When they arrived, the attendant asked my nieces if I was alive. They said, yes, she's alive, and asked him why. He said, when you see her car, it will all make sense to you. When my niece came to the hospital that evening, she showed me the pictures they took of my car, and they couldn't believe I had survived. That night, I wept so hard, thanking God for rescuing me once again and allowing me to live. I recommitted and surrendered my life to Christ. This near-death experience has given me such a different perspective on life. It was obvious God wasn't done with me, and I no longer want to do things my way, but his way. He knows what's best. I said to the Lord, this is your glory story. Everywhere I go and everyone I encounter, I will share the goodness of the Lord and how you spared my life. My faith was activated and launched to another dimension. I'm just so happy to be alive and flowing from my heart is gratefulness. I don't want to waste any more time on foolishness. I don't want to argue or focus on what others are doing. I just want to stay in my lane, enjoy and appreciate the time I have been given. I'm making amends to those that I have hurt, asking for forgiveness and taking ownership for my wrongs. I am loving, accepting and meeting people where they're at. I'm submitting to the Holy Spirit and doing as he needs without any interference or input from me on how I think it needs to be done. I am determined to live the life God intended me to live in Christ. Psalms 119.71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. I did realize I died that night, and the transforming power of the resurrected Christ rose up and is living in me. This has been the most difficult, challenging, humbling, beautiful disaster season that I have ever had the pleasure to walk through, and I wouldn't change a thing. There were some people who walked away, and then there was such an outpouring of people that I would have never imagined stepping up to help me. It's been overwhelming, especially the men God used in this season. Whether it was to pick me up from the hospital, run errands, the men in my life, in TSF, and my Watson brothers have blown my mind away. I now understand why the person had to walk away. I depended and relied on that person in an unhealthy manner. If this person didn't walk away, it would have been difficult for me to receive from those God was using to help me. I am an outgoing social person, and it's easy for me to be there for others. 
But I am guarded, and it's difficult for me to let people in, let alone ask for help. In this season, God is teaching me how to have healthy relationships, to ask for help, rely on others without placing unrealistic expectations on them, to trust and depend on him like never before. When I was released from the hospital, I needed a home attendant to help me with my needs. I was denied that help. I started to feel a little scared and stressed, but I had to remind myself, if God allowed me to live, he will take care of me. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Melissa preached a fire sermon that spoke volumes to me titled Barrier-Free Living. I knew I had to humble myself and ask for help. The next day, I reached out to Pastor Melissa and I explained my situation. She was so reassuring and beautifully said, we all need help at some point in our lives. That blessed me more than she could ever know. You see, I came to TSF on 2012. I was asking God to explain and confirm to me like I was a three-year-old if I was supposed to become a member at TSF. I was done with church and over it, but I felt led of the Lord to bring, I felt led of the Lord to come here. It was my second week at TSF and Pastor George preached a sermon titled, You Belong. I sat there and I thought, no way, God, this can't be for me. This got to be for someone else. And I laughed it off. I tell you, it was as if Pastor George was reading my mind because he said, there are some of you sitting here saying to God, there's no way this message is for you. It has to be for the person sitting next to you. But let me make it clear to you, this message is for you and you belong. Man, I tell you, fear gripped my heart like a bolt of lightning when I heard those words. But truth be told, everyone wants to feel accepted, loved, and like they belong. In the years I have been here, I didn't feel connected to others, except to Pastor Michelle and maybe a handful of people. I started to doubt if I did belong here and entertained the foolishness the enemy was filling my mind with, not realizing the barriers I put up that made it difficult for others to get in. Okay, so fast forward to the day when Pastor Melissa and I were chatting. She asked me what I needed. I shared with her the home care I needed and possibly a ride to and from church. I have been blessed by my friend Michelle, who brings me to church. But in case she's not able to take me, I wanted a backup because TSF has been on fire and I didn't want to miss a Sunday. <laughs> Pastor Melissa made arrangements for my home needs and made sure the couple leading the care ministry, Richard and Eva Bautista, and I were introduced. Thankfully, the care ministry helped me with all of my needs during the time I was unable to walk. And the TSF family had been embracing, encouraging, and walking alongside of me. And for the first time in years, I feel connected. Okay, to wrap it all up, Pastor George and Michelle, thank you for the countless times you were there for me. Especially Michelle, for making yourself available, for being accountable to me, for hearing me out, not judging me or pointing fingers of accusation, saying you should know better. Because the truth is I do know better. And yet you love me through it all. Thank you for modeling the life of love as Jesus commanded. It is the fragrance of Jesus in your lives that has captivated me, and it is one that I want to live and express in my life. I pray this will be the Jesus fragrance released at TSF as we do life together. And it is with such a great privilege and honor that I can truly say I belong. See, each experience, how many of you like, no, nobody wants to thank God for struggle. Nobody wants to thank God. You, you look at that car and you say, I don't, I, don't, 
I don't want to see my car looking like that, and I don't want to see me walking away from a car accident like that, right? But sometimes we, each experience makes us stronger. It gives us a deeper, stronger level of trust for him. And so that's why James says you can count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience all kinds of struggles and, and temptations because knowing that that testing of your faith is perfecting your walk. Amen? So James tells us that there experience trials, temptations that happen to us. And then he also says here in James, I got to do a little teaching now because I really want you to get this. I, I, I don't know if you caught it or if we talked about it much, but there's things that are going to go through also that are internal. Our own desires and our own sinfulness. James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. <coughs> but each person is tempted, watch this, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's a pretty raw explanation, amen? Amen. Too often, and I hear this a lot, we get angry at God for what we did. I know I'm not talking to none of you, but for your friends. You go share this when you leave here. The word clearly tells us that God will put our faith under pressure. It also says God will not tempt us with evil. He will not bring us to sin. So the external things that are out of our control, we, we trust that God is working things out for our good and the things, things that were done against us, amen? amen? Things that we have to go through, things that even the enemy meant to destroy us, God can use for our benefit, amen? amen. Like when a tree falls on your building and you get locked out of the church for six months. Hard. But we're better for it today. Amen? God can use all of that for our benefit. But now, on the inside, there's temptations that the Word says drag us away, entices us by our own evil desires. We have to be careful that we don't think James is saying every stupid thing we do is God working through us. Callaito now, right? Because maybe last week you were claiming some of that stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Some of the things that we go through are a result of our bad decisions. I'll just stay looking down. I ain't looking at nobody, right? Because that's all of us. Every one of us. Amen? The beauty of that is that even in that, even when it's our fault, there's grace. Come on. Somebody thank God for grace. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he can still turn that around for our good, even when it's our fault. But like Gary shared last week, and he's, he says it very clearly here in chapter 1, James it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to to get angry. Human anger doesn't produce righteousness 
that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. So James says, we can't just listen to the word, we have to do what it says. And so today we'll go in a little deeper into chapter 2. I'll pick up where Pastor G left off. James 2, 14. You'll want to note that because you want to check it, make sure I'm not making stuff up. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? 15. Suppose you see a brother and sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So James is saying faith without works is dead. This is a problem though. This opens up a can of worms especially to the religious or to the legalist or to the to the ones that are always fault finding and want to find they'll say they'll use this scripture to say that our relationship with God is work based. That means we have to work. If we're not working, then we don't love God. If we're not working, then, then God doesn't love us and we have to work. And that's why you have people ringing your doorbells every Saturday morning, even though you tell them no every week. But they, why? Because they have a work-based mindset. They have to put in a certain number of hours to, to be considered a, a ministry that God loves. So, you know, you kind of have to be, I, I know it's annoying and I get annoyed too when they're ringing the bells at all, all Saturday morning real early and, and they keep hitting you and the second crew comes and the third crew comes and they're, they're still, you know, and I got the Nest doorbell so I keep looking at it and go, oh man, come on bro. In my house, if it's not Amazon, it's, it's the witnesses. Um, but it's a work-based thing so they have to understand that in their eyes they have to earn God's love. They have to earn God's acceptance. They have to put in. So, so when, 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 when you look at a scripture like this, you say, well, see, they're right. They're, they're right. James says, faith without works is dead. But then when, when Paul says, but then you, you deal with Paul, and you say Paul in Ephesians, he says, it is by grace, Ephesians 2.8, that you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works. So James says, your faith, works. Paul says, just faith works. So, so you take these two scriptures and others and you say, Paul is contradicting James or James is saying something different than Paul. And, and James is saying, my faith has to work. Paul is saying, no, just my faith works. And some people say, see, that's why I don't read the Bible. There's so many contradictions. No, sucker, you don't read the Bible because you're lazy. You don't read the Bible because you don't really want to know what it says. You don't read the Bible because you don't want to do what it says. It's actually really clear when you read further. That's why we can't stand on bumper sticker promises and Christian cliches. We got to understand the word, amen, and stand on the word. So, so you, you, could, you could say Paul is saying that doesn't matter. It's not your works that saves you. It's your faith. But if you read on like most people don't, Paul says in Ephesians 9, the very next verse, he says, it's not by works so that nobody can boast. And then he says, 
For we are God's workmanship, His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So he's saying it's not by works that we're saved, it's by faith, but we were created to do works. Amen? So you see, there's no contradiction. It says, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul is saying the same thing in a different way. He's saying it's our faith that saves us, but we were created for good works. James is saying, verse 18, Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Look how sarcastic James gets here. (laughs) I love this. You say you have faith, right? You can only read it that way. And you believe there's only one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and tremble in fear. So your faith is right alongside the demons' faith, is what he's saying. Even the demons believe that, yeah, that... That, that there's one God, good for you. But can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? He's saying, if you have real faith, then it's going to show itself in what you do. Come on, this is like church changing. This should really be church changing. This should change the body of Christ. This should change the way we see things, the way we look at things. Your faith will show in your works. So many people are walking around today telling people they're Christians. They got little Christian bumper stickers. They got little Christian fish symbols. They got a cross on their neck. They got a cross tattoo. They got Jesus Christ dying all across their arm on a tattoo. What good is that? And I I have all that. (laughs) But, But what good is that? What good, but let me, let me clarify, I have all that, I'll show you later, but what good is all that if it doesn't show itself out in your actions? Amen? If you have real faith, it's going to show itself in what you do. I'm sorry, church, but real faith is going to work because faith works. Amen? If your faith isn't working, then your faith isn't working. (laughs) Come on, that's good. If your faith isn't working, then your faith isn't working. Some of you catch that later. It's good. What you believe or don't believe will show in what you do. What you believe will show in the way you treat people. The way you help people, the way you make people feel. Listen, I had a, a, such a feel-good moment. Saturday, I took my wife to the movies. She loves going to the movies. I went to go see a movie I wasn't too excited about going to see. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I said, I don't even want to be caught like coming out of the theater with this. Like, what? Really? And let me tell you, I cried like a baby through the whole thing. I mean, not me, but the men next to me and those guys. You know, I saw men crying is what I meant to say. Man. Let let me, I'll be totally honest with you. I've never wanted to be more like somebody than, than, than the way Tom Hanks portrayed Mr. Rogers. I mean, I don't know if that says a lot to you, but 
you know, like we have our idols and we have the people that we, you know, oh, I would, man, if I could be like that guy or if I could look like this one, if I could do things like this one. I've never wanted to be more like, there, there was such a, you, you, you guys know, if you know Mr. Rogers, everything, he talks very slow. Like painfully slow. And he'll gather his thoughts slow. And he'll respond slow. And that could make you like crazy. People, people with ADHD to the fourth power like me, that could make you nuts. But the more I, the more I watched the story and, and, and watched him, and they were talking about his interviews and everything, he never responded quickly. And, and, and James came up and he says, you should be slow to speak. And man, that just struck something in me. Because it seemed like, I won't tell you the story, but he was being interviewed. And the guy that was doing the interviewing normally destroys the people that he interviews when he writes the article. But he couldn't. He couldn't. He wanted to get dirt on him. He wanted to push his buttons, but he couldn't. And every time he said something, the response was just so beautiful. It was just so profound. It was simple, but it was slow and thought out. And everything he said was powerful. And I said, man, I, I just want to live like that. I, I just want to live that. I don't just have a lot of words. I want to have good words. Amen? Amen? Maybe that's why the word says, right? Be slow to speak. It also says, even in our prayer, it's not about words. Right? So what you... What you it, what you believe or what you don't believe is going to show itself in the way you treat people, in the way you, you help people, in the way you make people feel. It'll show in how you react to the struggles and to the trials that come your way. It'll show in the decisions that you make. And listen, with that, just a side note on that extra, the, in, the external stuff, the, or the internal stuff rather, the, the struggles, the temptations that we face that sometimes our desires draw us away. Let me give you a real quick thing on that that I've just kind of worked for my life. When you're able to be strong in one area, this is personal, this is just between me and you. When you're able to, don't tell nobody. When you're able to be strong in one area, like a temptation comes and you're able to push that away and stand strong there, that builds your strength in other areas. That's just a secret. Side note, not going to charge you for that. But that's what I've learned from me. Amen? Because I know some of us, we, man, we struggle. We fall and, and, and sometimes we see like, man, I'm falling in the same place all the time, all the time. And we, we feel like I can't keep coming to God and saying I'm sorry for the same thing. But the beauty is we serve a God that you can. You can keep coming to God for the same thing. You can keep saying, you know. But when you get strong in one area, that will allow you to get strong in the others. Amen? So I want to close today with another story. You get ready for another story? Can I give you one more before and after? Worship team, you guys could come and get ready. And I want to welcome Shireen. I want you to come and stand with me and come share your story. See, I want you to see... I want you to see how God works things together. Good morning. 
how God works things together. You just, you're ready to start. You don't even want to let me finish. All right, that's fine. That's fine. You're nervous. I get it. We're good. All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I did not want to do this, but of course, God had other plans. So, I have it all written out here. Growing up, my house wasn't filled with much faith. There wasn't any church on Sundays, Easter, or Christmas. And though that's how it began, it surely didn't determine where God would lead me and find me. At a very young age, I was exposed to a religion called the 21 Divisions. The religion that is created by spirits who mask themselves as saints and indwell themselves in people, and they call them caballos, as they like to call them. Through people, they can sit, they can talk to them, and they could do whatever they want. Although my family believed in the spirits, they also believed in God. Almost my entire family believes in the saints. All who believe are deceived to believe they are sent from God. As a child, I, didn't, I did attend church with my aunt and my grandma during the summer when I would visit them. Also, I was dedicated in a Christian church when I was a baby. Every year during Christmas Eve, I enjoy watching the movies about Jesus on Channel 41. We all know those movies, right? <laughs> Fast forward to my teen years. When I was about 16 years old, I had a friend whose family also believed in the 21 Divisions. Here, I began to find myself more and more interested in the saints. I would purchase blessed beads from the Botanica near my high school and wear them around my neck as a covering. It went so far that we would visit these saints together in someone's home and talk to them. My friend and myself also would go to parties dressed in all white with our parents even knowing. Around this time, my sister was profound in her walk with Christ. She invited me to visit her church, and I began to visit. It was nice. I enjoyed myself until the pastor said something one day. He said, the Lord says you cannot believe in me and in something else. I didn't know God, but I knew without a doubt that he was talking to me. Wow. And in that moment, I decided to never go back there because my family raised me to believe in the saints. And what kind of person would I be? to abandon them. During this time, my sister prophesied to me that one day I will serve God. The Lord gave her vivid dreams of us singing together for his glory. Surely I thought my sister was a fanatic. I didn't believe a thing that came out of her mouth. Fast forward to my 20s. My mom had lost faith in everything, and I was walking that path with her until we met a woman who was a worker of the 21 Divisions. She began to work with my mom to remove trabajos that they had done on her. I finally began to see a change in my mom. And because of this, I had some faith, but all in the wrong thing. While I spoke to her, she would tell me things about myself that no one knew about me, but things with her didn't end well. Let me add that this is clear evidence that the enemy knows us just like God does. About two years later, a woman walks into the office where I worked. She begins to tell me that my saints are upset with me because I had stopped going to school. This lady didn't know me, so I was like, wow, someone sees me. And here is when I began to dig a big hole for myself. I found myself visiting her about once a month to make sure I was clean, meaning no one did any dirty work on me. While I would see her, I would speak with Beliel Belka, St. Michael, as he will mask himself as. 
I would receive blessed bracelets and they would all pop right off of me. I remember being so frustrated because of this. My fear began one day when he would tell me that I would get my refresco de cabeza, a refreshing of my head. And I would be a caballo for them to work and to serve them. He told me that I was created, sorry, that I was created to work for them and all my gifts were for them. The refreshing of my head will be the first step of my initiation with this religion. After this conversation, I had a vivid dream that I was in a ceremony and a spirit was applying pressure to my body. As I held on tight in the dream, fear overcame me. In the end of the dream, it was the spirits claiming my body for them. I remember telling my mom, and she felt the same way as I did. Well, if this is what they're saying to do, all we could do is trust them, right? I vividly remember thinking about my life, especially my career. Being successful has always meant something important to me. And if I worked for them and gave my life to them, I had to do what they said. I remember being terrified that they would tell me that I couldn't teach like I always hoped to and that I'd be confined to an altar. I was also panicking about giving up my body for a spirit to use me. My thoughts every day were, what will happen to me? Will I remember? Will it hurt? I couldn't sleep. Sorry, I couldn't sleep because of the racing thoughts almost every night. The saints advised me that I should begin to go to church and to pray for them, and that's what I did. I searched high and low for a Catholic church with a statue of St. Michael. Once I walked into the church, I kneeled down and I tried to open up to God and pray, but I couldn't. Then I walked over to the St. Michael statue and I cried and poured my heart out. I had no relationship with God. In 2018, the woman they were supposed to perform this, the ceremony on me needed a lot of surgeries as well as rest time. During this time is when I had my encounter in a Catholic church retreat called the Road to Emmaus in June 2018. I came out of that retreat with a burning heart for God. Deep down, I knew my life wasn't going to be the same. But how naive was I to still go to this woman who worked for the saints? I generally thought that they were sent from God. While I grew my relationship with God in the Catholic church, the more I wanted to honor his heart. The day I threw my hookah, my mom thought the world was coming to an end. Sorry, my cousin's laughing because she knows this is true. <laughs> okay. I visited a conference in 2018, and a woman began to preach about the demonic spirits that deceive people into believing that they are sent from God. She went into great detail, exposing them for who they are, and I was destroyed. At the end of the conference, during prayer, I got on my knees, and I cried, and I yelled, and I screamed, and most of all, I asked God for forgiveness. That day was the day I gave my heart completely to my Abba. I took off my bracelet, but I was still fearful. Oftentimes, I heard stories that the saints will hurt you if you abandon them. I didn't have the courage to remove the altar that I had built in my room over the years. Until one day... It was my heart's deepest desire not to be scared, to fully trust God, and it happened with God's help. I grabbed everything from the altar, and I threw it out. Amen. 
After that day, I now sleep with so much peace. At night, I felt tormented when I was walking in the shadow of death. I never felt alone. I always felt someone hovering over me. You might be wondering how I had an encounter regarding a Catholic church, but I am very much part of TSF. I began to visit TSF in 2018 because of my cousin's wife, Siomara. She always spoke so well about this church, and I had to experience it for myself. I remember the first time I heard Pastor George give his testimony about his spiritual walk. I honestly was shocked at first that there was someone in church that I could relate to. And God reminded me that nothing that I believed in in the past could keep me away from him. That he can use me and that all my gifts I have are because of him and they are to be used only for his glory. Yes. 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 My favorite part of my story is my baptism in TSF. This is the part that always reminds me that God has had his eye on me from the beginning. It's so symbolic for so many reasons. I knew baptisms were approaching, and I had to make a decision. God was saying yes, and I was so scared to take this step. But I told myself, you're going to do this, and when they announce it, you won't back out. I was sitting in my seat when Lee announced that baptism service was coming to the house. I had a mini panic attack. And then I heard Lee say September 29th, and I was like, God, no way. I cried like a baby in my seat. You're wondering why I was crying. Well, September 29th was the feast day for Beliel Belkang, the saint that I will speak and seek guidance from. That day, I will play his music, light a candle Come on. for him. September 29th was also the day that I went to that conference in 2018 and completely gave my heart, completely gave my heart, ooh, sorry, completely gave my heart to God. And here, God was one year after he met me in that conference to seal the deal with me. But he didn't stop there because when God is orchestrating something, he shows off. And that's what I love about my God. My 14-year-old brother also got baptized the same day as me. There were days it was so hard to get past the fear, but time and time again, I chose Jesus. Through it all, God showed me that he is relentless for me. When I thought all was lost, he saved me. Even when I didn't know I needed to be saved, even when I couldn't pray to him, even when I was walking with the enemy. Today I share a big part of my testimony so all of you brothers and sisters can see that when God has a plan for your life, nothing can get in the way. Yeah. I stand here to show you that God could change anyone. When I began my walk, I didn't know how to pray, and I didn't know any Christian songs. And if you know me, I always ask, do you want to pray about it? And I love to worship my king. So if that's you today, don't be discouraged. Great things come from small beginnings. Surely, I dug a hole for myself, but God is the gardener of my heart. I once was buried, but he replanted me. Oh, man.
Uh, let me give you a little, just a little real, real quick. Um, good, we still got two hours. We're good. Um, let me just give you a real quick. Uh, I'm just thinking on, on the 21 divisions because that might be like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? This, that's, if, if you look it up, because maybe some of you already Googled it, some of you already like. 21 divisions is, is another form of santeria, espiritismo. If you look it up, it's going to say it's Dominican voodoo. That's really that's what Wikipedia says. What, what, what voodoo has done, what, what they've done with the, with the Haitian voodoo and all that, is that they've taken, they've taken the spirits, the saints, and they've synchronized them with the Catholic saints so that they would be able to worship them in captivity when they were slaves, when they were... And so that has come all the way through in, into today, and that's a big thing in some of our Hispanic homes, a big thing with our culture. Listen, so I, I, I kind of wanted to stop here and, and let you know, if you have that stuff at home, if you have altars that have been set up at home because, you know, grandma and grandma's grandmas had that, and that's covering you and that's protecting you, I need you to know that that is porcelain and and trinket religion. Amen? That is trinket religion. The, the God of the universe, the God of... God says, if you follow me, I go with you. I'm with you. I go before you. I go behind you. And I got my hand on you. I don't need, I don't need another saint. I don't need a... Me- the word says there's no mediator between but Christ Jesus. There's no, so there's nobody that you can pray to that can get you halfway. Amen? So if it's on your neck, take it off. If it's on your brain, take it off. If it's a tattoo, get a cover-up. I, I recommend the tattoo artist that I have. Get a cover-up. Cover that thing up. If it's something that, you, that, that you've been trusting in, that you think, think, take a pause and say, how far has that gotten me? And if you're still dealing with fear, and if you're still dealing with insecurity, and if you're still dealing with, with all of that, I understand. Because like she said, that was my testimony. I was in there. I was told that, that my giftings, that everything was, was uh, from this saint. And, and if I, as long as I honored this saint, look, look what a mafia personality this is, mindset. As long as I worship this saint, if I lit candles, if I put fruit, do you know Spanish people put fruit in, on, their, on their... I know that sounds crazy to some of you, right? You're like... Yeah, yeah, we feed. The Spanish people feed because, because we serve gods that we have to feed. And we put money and we put apples and we put water and we put beads. And, and that becomes a holy place in our home. A lot of us can laugh about it. Some of us right now don't want to look sideways. And you know why. I, I, God came that we could be free, man. I want you to be free. And so I wanted you to hear that testimony because I wanted you to be free. I wanted you to know. And, and to me, man, what blows me away is that on the feast day, if, if you were ever in that, you understand that that feast day, the birthday of that saint, the day that that saint is honored, that is a big deal. To have the baptism on the same day. Only God, do you understand? Only God, only the God of the universe who's in charge of all can say, I'm going to show you how much I love you, how I've set you apart, and I'll do this all. The reason we all had a baptism was for her on that day. Why? Is that, is that crazy? Is that crazy? The reason this family over there was blessed with like just baptisms, all of a sudden they just came in with their clothes on and they weren't even... Pro- the reason was because Sharina on that day, God had to do it for her. 
And then, if you would understand that we serve a God that knows us that way, then you, then really my point today is that faith works. If you're not a believer, if you've never made this decision, I want you to know, man, faith works. This faith works. And if you are a believer and you've been walking and you haven't been doing anything, I want you to know faith works. So get working. Amen? Get to stepping. Let's worship. Come on. Let's gather together. Let's close.